he kept telling me that you are so attached vinesh to your concepts you are attached to your philosophy you are attached to your theories you are attached to what you believe in and so on you got to be detached so detachment is everything you have to be detached from life and then at the end of this i told him look i think you're really attached to this idea of detachment Welcome to Agile Leaders Conversations where executives, business leaders and experts from all sectors come together and share leadership insights around leading in today's workplaces. They will be sharing some tips on how they use the agile mindset to make sense of the complexities and lead with authenticity and Hi everyone, my name is Chen Chen and I'm an author, executive coach for the Fortune 500, a speaker and a facilitator. I specialize in leadership agility, helping organizations and leaders grow their agile mindset so that they can sustain the success in both life and career. And in this episode, I'm so happy to have Mr. Vinesh Sukumaran as my guest. He's a positive psychologist based out of Bangalore, India. And as an organization development consultant, he has trained and coached over 20,000 people to bring about behavioral change and find more meaning in work and life. Vinesh is a result-oriented consultant for several individuals and corporations like Hewlett-Packard, Boeing, Coca-Cola, Mercedes-Benz, and over a hundred others. He has a master's degree in psychology from the University of Missouri, USA, and his research was based on applications of positive psychology and sports psychology for better coaching, leadership, and performance. He is also the author of the book *From Behavior to Well-Being*. Welcome to the show Vinesh would you share a little about yourself please Thanks a lot for having me over thanks for mentioning my book I've also read your book The Eight Paradoxes of Leadership and there are quite a few insights that I gathered from that so I'm looking forward to having this interesting chat with you So I'm wondering Vinesh after reading my book Eight Paradoxes of Leadership Agility what are your general thoughts after reading it You know I just started reading it to see what the book was about but it turned out to be something which was pretty useful it was great to see somebody like you who's also learned a lot of lessons from leaders they've coached you also mentioned that acknowledgement and that's true of all of us who are coaches trainers consultants i think our biggest teachers are our clients and you also talk about there's an optimal level of stress and when i read that i said wow this is something that i totally agree with because in recent times there's been a lot of research by people like Kelly McGonigal who who talking about how stress is not a bad thing it's your idea about stress that's a bad thing i think even intuitively from a long time i thought stress was a pretty useful thing and there's a right level of stress which will be good for people to function so that's my first thought one thing that sticks out is your focus on values you talk about values you talk about how values are an important thing and as coaches the constant challenge is to get people who we coach to do not even the things that we want but the things that they want <laughs> you're talking about value based leadership value based coaching i think is an important thing and i like the fact that when that you're being really honest in your book in terms of saying exactly what you can deliver and what you can't deliver right like for example you mentioned that you can't make clients problems go away I like that very honest open transparent attitude because I'm a little wary of somebody who shows up and says I can make all your problems go away <laughs> you're going to be thinking what's that about yeah and of course I like the crux of your book the RE4 model which is about reconstructing refreshing renewing rebuilding though people might 
have seen this happen. I like how you've given structure and definition to it. I like the fact that you talk about metaphors because typically business books are constantly appealing to one side of the brain, right? It's logical, it's reasoning and those sort of things. But uh, this other side of metaphors, because a lot of times we live our lives based on some metaphors that we build around ourselves saying, oh, I'm a hardworking guy. Money doesn't come easily. These are stories that you create. Like I keep telling my clients, sometimes we create our own clubs and we become members of our own clubs and then we don't know how to get out. <laughs> so I like the fact that you don't just talk about the metaphors, but you tell them, what's your metaphor now? What's your new metaphor? And even make them draw it out, which I found that idea to be quite interesting because it gets people to explore things from a new light, which appeals to the emotional, creative side of the brain. That is fascinating. It is the notion, our idea of what stress is that maybe leaders need to revisit. And I think that's connected with your book on well-being and we will go into that later. Metaphors, yes, I love them. I think we have two sides of the brain. Why not use the entire brain? I think our system has always made us very cognitive and logical. And that's probably tapping on half or way less of the brain. And what kind of possibilities, perspectives can we unlock if we tap on the entire brain? So now, so there are eight paradoxes in the book. So I'm wondering which one resonated strongly with you. One paradox, I think it was obvious to me when I read the book, you as a coach and having worked with leaders, you came across 16, 20, 25 paradoxes and you handpicked the top eight, right? There's this one paradox where you talk about principle versus adaptable and how you have to stay true to your true north. You talk about the story of Kelly. She tries to relook at her role, refocuses on her priorities, and she takes her family on that trip and so on. I really like that paradox because I think that really spoke to me. A lot of times, what we're battling with is sticking to one thing really strongly, whatever that is. And there's a need to be adaptable. I've also seen my own paradoxes, right? For example, when I coach people, especially leaders, sometimes they're thinking, should I focus on my own career as a director, as a CEO, or should I focus on what's good for my company, not just in the corporate world? Should I focus on being happy right now? Or should I do something not so comfortable? I don't feel like going for a walk, but I'm going to do it so that I feel happy later. So... I think there are constant paradoxes. Some years ago, I spoke with a, with a martial artist and we were talking about this whole idea of attachment. So he kept telling me that you are so attached, Vinesh, to your concepts, you're attached to your philosophy, you're attached to your theories, you're attached to what you believe in and so on. And you've got to be detached. So detachment is everything. You have to be detached from life. And then at the end of this, I told him, look, I think you're really attached to this idea of detachment. So that makes two of us. We're both attached. Just like that, in your book, you talk about both. Like tasks are important, but also the bigger picture is important. You talk about focusing on people as well as focusing on relationships and so on. There is a sense in the book that the middle path is the right thing to do. But what I like about this paradox is that it's good to be adaptable. It's good to say, I don't have to do both. I'm going to just choose one. I'm going to choose one over the other. I remember in one of the interviews, Salman Rushdie says, if you don't stand for anything, then who are you? So sometimes it's good for people who read your book to realize that 
This is what Chuen says, to do a bit of both or do the right combination of both in the circumstances of your life. But it's also okay for me to be adaptable and just choose one thing. This is great. I think the world is never in black and white. And there's a time and place for being principled, for being attached to something and being highly flexible and adaptable. There's never a bad solution. And I think the right solution for different individuals, different leaders really depends on the context, their North Star, their moral compass. So it might not be in the middle. And sometimes people just want that peace of mind that whatever I'm choosing, it may not be the perfect solution, but this is my solution. This is my decision. Yeah, I love that perspective. So there's also this definition of leadership agility and of the various paradoxes in the book. So how do you see both of these, especially working with so many different companies? You define paradox quite well in the book where one thing and the opposite are both true in a given case or context. And I think that's an interesting way to look at it because I live in Bangalore, India. India is a place full of paradoxes various parts of the world where they think we are an extremely poor country, not realizing that we have four or five of the richest people in the world from India. Likewise, uh, there's this education paradox where we have a lot of uneducated people also in the country, while we have some of the most educated people in the world who are from India. I could relate to that idea of, and the opposite of that being true. In terms of leadership agility, you talk about agility. It's about being flexible to go through the various uncertainties and complexities and still come out and function from from a place of authenticity. That's really what you're essentially saying about leadership agility. I like that idea of authenticity, about being real and being genuine, because I think that's a big part. It doesn't matter how agile you are. if, If that's not what you feel, if that's not what you really think, it's not going to work for you. You're just going to be acting and putting on a facade and sooner or later that's going to blow. From my point of view and from my work, one of the big drivers of this leadership agility is what happens in the market. Quite a few times, the market's going to tell you what to do. Like the pandemic, during the lockdown, there was this huge shift towards online training. Sometimes clients call you and they tell you how to be agile. They tell you we're looking at online training. Do you do online training or not? And if you say no, then you're losing your chance to be an agile leader. Likewise, it's not just about the pandemic. I remember some years ago, a client said, we could do a leadership training, but each of the challenges are different. So the client's telling you what to do. And I said, how about having a training program for a day? And then I meet all of them on a one-to-one coaching sessions for two days. And that was a new model, which came out of the client's idea. So I think it's a good idea to listen to what the market is telling you. I also want to add this popular quote, which says, how you do anything is how you do everything. And there is a sense among people like coach that I'm going to be agile. I'm going to be an agile leader only in office. But it's quite difficult to put that button on when you come to work. So you have to be an agile leader even when you're organizing a party in the weekend at home. You're going to be an agile leader when you go shopping and everywhere. And that's something which you carry with you. I particularly like this sentence that you said just now. How you do anything is how you do everything. In our coaching world, we are always advocating for leaders, for very busy professionals to embrace both the personal side and the professional side because that is the way you can lead with ease and authenticity. Vinesh, right now there is this movement. With pandemic, no one is being excused. All organizations or governments or individuals 
are having to flex and adapt. And as we now look forward into building better businesses, what do you think are some areas that leaders should consider? I think especially now looking at well-being as a hot topic. So what do you think leaders should consider? I don't want to talk as if I have all the answers for a post-pandemic workplace because even the leading organizations in the world, like the WHO, are saying we don't know what's really happening with the virus. We don't know what's going to happen next. Is there going to be three vaccines or a yearly vaccine? I want to say that I'm not really sure what exactly is going to happen because I don't think anybody is. But there are some things which I've been telling my client leaders for organizations, which I think is going to work. The first thing is that I think it's a great idea to stop fighting. So you're from Singapore and I spoke to a client, this client wanted me to do a program for their leaders to get them back to office. And I was talking to the HR person and he said, we got to get back to office. And so I asked him, why do you think people should come back to office? If I do this program and it's the main agenda of the leadership program, they're going to think Vinesh Sukumaran is just firing the gun off the CEO's shoulder, or they're going to ask me, why should we get back to office? So the HR person told me something about their collaboration, this and that, and so on. And in the end, I asked him, after the conversation's over, a lot of times the truth comes out after the conversation's over, after you've shaken hands and said, thank you. I said, hey, now that the meeting's over, what do you want to do? You're the HR manager. Do you want to get back to office? And he said, no, I don't want to. I think one of the key things is to stop fighting it. And sometimes it's a good idea to do what's worked for you. And if you feel you've learned useful lessons during the pandemic about saving money, saving thousands of dollars every month on real estate, because you don't really need an office, maybe you should do that. Maybe if you learned that teams can work as well without traveling, I think that's something you should do. There was a story and an article that was published and this anecdote over a decade ago, who was the biggest competitor to British Airways? When they asked people this question, people said, Singapore Airlines, is it Lufthansa? And it turns out that the biggest competitor is video conferencing and Cisco's video conferencing software. Because people talk face-to-face, in that time, video conferencing was pretty new. Now it's all over the place. You didn't have to go take a flight and go to another city to meet somebody. So just like that, if you have realizations during the pandemic, you got to use that. I think that's really the first big lesson. The other thing is, I'm just reminded of what Jeff Bezos mentioned in one of his interviews. And he said, some things are always going to be the right things to do. Customers will always want something of good quality. I don't think that's going to change. Customers are always going to want something faster. Those things are going to be universal and they're going to last forever. The other thing is this whole idea of building back. Many companies are on this mindset of let's go back to where we are. I think if you're trying to go back, then you've learned nothing. The idea is to build forward and maybe you're going to change slightly, moderately or completely. I think that's a good way to look at the post-pandemic. Excellent. So I was furiously typing notes. Now, so many great things that you said. I'm going to recap for the listeners. Number one, the truth comes out after the conversation. I just had a coaching conversation this morning. You want people to come to you with the truth at the conversation, not after that, and not to tell everybody except you because you need to know the truth. I think that's one. I think it's an excellent leadership reminder. The second point that you said, 
maybe it's for leaders to challenge their perception and bias about what a good workforce is. And in my coaching model, the second step is refresh your lens. Is there a perception? Is there a bias, prejudice that no longer work? What if having a good workforce is not related to a workplace? You know, what if that's that? I think something to consider. And the third thing is customers still want the same thing, regardless of where you are doing your work from. They still want great products, better quality, delivered faster. And what if you could do all that, still satisfy your customers, no matter where you're working? Does that give you more breath, more resources to experiment with? And I particularly like what you said just now. Instead of building back better, how about building forward? We are not trying to get the line back to zero. I think maybe the perception is the pandemic set us back many steps. And we are just trying to get back to the starting line. But what if, as we are now building, rebuilding all businesses, all work structures, systems, what if we are building forward as well? What kind of possibilities can that bring? And is that also a great time for us to drop something that isn't working well? Wonderful. Avinash, would you have a couple of minutes just to share a little bit about your book, please? I was writing for a few magazines in India with health, wellness, and lifestyle magazines. I had a few hundred articles. So I published just 64 of those articles. So the first thing I want to say about the book is that it's handpicked, mostly as a coach, as a trainer. I'm working with people's behavior and bringing about behavior change. And this behavior could be something as simple as showing up to office on time or just showing up on time anywhere. Or it could be something even more complicated like learning to use cloud computing. But each of these is a behavior. And one of the simple and easy ways in which I define behavior in the book is that a behavior is anything that you do. If you wake up early, that's a behavior. If you drink every night, that's a behavior. If you work out regularly, that's a behavior and so on. So I'm saying if you want to change anything, if you want the results you want, even if you want to just be happy, it takes practice. So there's a lot of research which shows vacations are supposed to be happy times, but the time before the vacation when you plan and the time after the vacation when you think back are actually better than the real vacation because you're gonna carry yourself with you to that vacation. So it's a good idea that you develop good behaviors before you go in for that vacation. And then when you carry yourself with you, you'll have the right person in the vacation. So that's really one of the key ideas in the book, changing behavior and eventually that changes results and changes the way you feel. We definitely need to look at ways to make behavior changes permanent. And I'm sure all listeners, viewers right now will be interested to learn more about the outstanding Vinesh. I've learned so much from the conversation with you. So I'll include his social media link and as well as the link to his book. So please feel free to reach out to him. And I also encourage you to please grab a copy of Eight Paradoxes of Leadership Agility. It has been such a great time speaking with you, Vinesh, and let's stay in touch.